On last week's episode, we discussed the future of connected transportation and the future of connected mass transit. We heard from Arthur Ordunia, Chief Innovation Officer of Avis Budget Group, the global car rental company that also owns the popular car sharing service Zipcar. Oliver Cameron, co-founder and CEO of the startup Voyage, which is testing and expanding the use of autonomous vehicles in retirement communities. And Marcus Veltz. He leads the Siemens Intelligent Traffic Systems business in North America, which is actively innovating to change the way we use public transportation. Everything is getting smarter, from our watches to our homes to our cars. In a more connected future, even the way our favorite things get processed and made will be getting smarter. Factories where machines can tell their teams in real time their status and eventual need for repairs, or a future where manufacturing worker safety can be bolstered by real-time data collected from new perspectives. The next generation of wireless innovation with future 5G networks will create new opportunities for connected factories and the ever-changing landscape of manufacturing. Thanks to support from T-Mobile for Business, today we'll explore how advancements in 5G connectivity will enable innovations in the manufacturing industry that could shape the future of production. In general, consumers want the products exactly customized to their needs, to their body type, to their foot size, etc. And so Henry Ford's you can have any car if you want as long as it's black just doesn't fit anymore. So the future is a lot more digital. It's a lot more short-term in terms of having to respond to orders more quickly. That's Irene Petrick. She is the senior director of industrial innovation in the Internet of Things group at Intel. Intel is one of the world's largest manufacturers of computer chips. All kinds of companies use those chips to power their businesses, including other manufacturers. It's Irene's job to understand the challenges those companies face, so Intel can build solutions to help the industry adapt to the future. The economies of scale production that we've been living off of for the last several decades really don't meet the needs of customization and highly personalized kinds of products. And so we've got to find ways to help factories become a lot more agile. Factories are not often thought of as being agile, but several technologies are coming together to make production lines far more responsive. This is often referred to as Industry 4.0. Industry 4.0 is really giving workers from the factory floor clear to the C-suite a very real presentation of the operating environment in real time that's derived from data that's collected from sensors throughout the factory. Eventually, this will reach clear into the supply chain, into the enterprise resource systems. And so Industry 4.0 is really saying, do we have a digital model of the physical world? Can I use that digital model to simulate what might happen if I change something in the physical world? And then how can I improve things in the physical world based upon those digital simulations? So it's really all based on data. And that data is collected through an intricate system of sensors and connected machines. As complicated as it sounds, it's all driven by something rather simple. Manufacturing only happens because somebody wants to buy something. And as people's ideas about what they want to buy change, 
our production has to change also. And we've been very slow to do that, by the way, in the industrial space. Intel is in the business of enabling the manufacturing ecosystem. So Irene is focused on understanding challenges facing the entire industry so that Intel can create solutions at scale. We don't sell to manufacturers. We sell to their suppliers. And so much of the power behind things, much of the compute power is provided by Intel. But it takes an ecosystem to deliver that. The ecosystem as it sits today, where individual companies provide an ingredient, is not going to be effective into the future. We can't project Intel's 30-year journey toward digitization into an existing manufacturer who hasn't been on that same journey. And so we really have to understand what the pressing problems are at a whole bunch of levels of digital maturity. Today's manufacturing landscape, increasingly driven by automation, robotics, and 3D printing, might well look unrecognizable to Henry Ford. According to Irene, the factories of the future will be more efficient, faster, and increasingly data-driven. Of course, to make data actionable, you have to collect it, process it, and deliver results. And that's where future 5G networks could play a crucial role. More bandwidth, faster networks, and lower latency could allow more manufacturers to make better decisions in real time, increasing efficiency, and improving products. In this episode, we'll look at the latest innovations in manufacturing, explore what it means for a factory to be smart, and meet an entrepreneur who's using technology to improve worker safety. I'm Oz Veloshin. Welcome to This Time Tomorrow. Kara, Irene pointed out that companies make things because people want or need to buy something. But when you're buying something, how often do you think about how it's made? I think it's something we're all becoming more conscious of, you know, making sure that products we use aren't causing too much environmental damage and that the workers who make them have decent working conditions. That's right. I joke with Irene that manufacturing is not exactly a clickbait topic, (laughs) Um, but it is so fundamental to how we live. From cars to clothes to robots, they're all manufactured in some capacity. And as technology gets more advanced, new manufacturing techniques are created and deployed at massive scale. Yeah, and you mentioned that Irene works in the Internet of Things group at Intel, which is a wild (laughs) title. (laughs) It is. You know, we think of IoT in terms of meaning a smart speaker or a connected fridge, but industrial machinery can also be a part of that same connected future. For sure. And as we've spoken about before, there's a lot of enthusiasm that the Internet of Things could really be enabled by future 5G networks because it's all about extracting and processing data from those connected things. And that's something I discuss with Pat McCusker, the COO of Fast Radius, which is a company that's using 3D printing on an industrial scale to reimagine the supply chain. And I spoke with a really cool guy named Sean Peterson, who started a company called Strongarm Technologies, which is a platform that's using data to help improve worker safety and reduce workplace injuries for factory and warehouse workers. Before we get to that, let's go back to Irene, who introduced me to the intriguing concept of dark data. I was always curious about how things work and how things are put together. A logical extension to that, if you're a systems engineer, which is some of my background training, is how do these systems fit together and how can we improve to produce better outputs? The kinds of things I work on now are really looking at 
the problem spaces in the industrial production environments in three to five to eight years out. And then I bring that information back to our developers and designers in the industrial solutions division. And then we use that information to project out the kinds of solutions that will be required and the way in which we'll have to go to market with those solutions over time. We've gotten pretty accustomed to the notion of a smart product. You can have a smart fridge that tells you when you're out of milk or a smart coffee maker that, well, I'm not entirely sure what they do, but they're out there. And in the manufacturing world, experts are building and preparing for smart factories. We talk about making factories smarter. It's not that we have dumb factories now. It's that we have factories that were set up to be very, very predictable. Those factories are going to have to become much better at dealing with ambiguity and dealing with variability. I'm not just cranking out the same thing millions and millions of times. I'm now having to think about how to develop inventory control systems that bring me exactly what I need when I need it. I've got to have material handling systems that are completely agile and and that really aren't like conveyor belts of old. As we look towards the future, I was curious as to how the next generation of wireless connectivity and all the promise of future 5G networks could change manufacturing. If I had unlimited bandwidth, then I could track a lot more things. So, for example, I could instrument all of my workers in a way that I could maximize their safety. I would understand their current health status in terms of temperature, respiration, in terms of the breathing environment around them. I could also merge data in a way that would be more useful, particularly in complex environments where the safety issue is very important. If I had unlimited bandwidth, really understanding a lot of those internal operations would be very useful. So 5G offers a lot of opportunities, particularly if I'm trying to work in difficult environments where I have something moving, for example, a a mobile robot. Then 5G has a lot of opportunities, but it's going to require careful thought and it's going to require other things, other technologies to be brought along with it. It turns out that the future of manufacturing is all about variability, which puts a premium on collecting data to monitor machine health. I've got to have machines where I know their health, I know their status, and I can predict when they're likely to fail. If I understand machine health before that tool breaks, I can actually schedule a machine for maintenance so that I'm maximizing the uptime. There's a lot of stuff going on around Internet of Things related to what we call releasing dark data. Machines are doing a lot of things. We just haven't always had access to the data that describes what that is. And so when we think about the Internet of Things, it's really about putting sensors in a lot of places where we really don't have a lot of insights into what the machine is doing or what the machine's health is. We're still going to have workers. They're going to be doing different things, though. In the IT industry, for example, the fastest growing jobs right now are jobs that didn't have titles five or eight years ago. We're going to see the same thing in manufacturing. Systems engineering is going to become much more important. Simulation and digital design is going to become much more important. Those are two that come to mind that don't have as big a role right now that will five years from now or 10 years from now. Kara, I like what Irene was saying in terms of augmented intelligence. It reminded me a little bit of what Gary Kasparov, the chess grandmaster, once said after he got beaten by IBM's computer Deep Blue. Kasparov said that the future will belong to centaurs, human-machine hybrids. 
I mean, I use machines every day to get me where I need to go. Well, we all do. That's right. But, you know, the future is closer than we think in that regard. In our episode on sports and gaming, you remember we talked to Charlie Hahn, who helped build HoloLens at Microsoft, and he explained how their AR headset can be used by someone who's repairing the part of an airplane. And in real time, they can receive information and instructions directly in their field of vision. So I can imagine a world where every factory worker is getting information about what they're making or their environment. Yeah, I think Charlie Hahn was talking about a partnership between Microsoft and Qantas doing exactly what you described. And Charlie talked about how HoloLens and augmented reality in general could be powered by future 5G networks with more bandwidth and lower latency allowing for seamless toggling between the real and virtual worlds. Mixed reality, he calls it. Uh, In terms of industry, that AR future could make workers more informed, more efficient, and even safer. And we're actually going to talk about that with Sean Peterson of Strongarm a little bit later on the show. Right. Before that, though, I do want to spend a bit more time exploring this notion of the smart factory. To better understand it, I spoke with the COO of Fast Radius, Pat McCusker, about advanced manufacturing techniques that are being pioneered right now. Fast Radius is a manufacturing technology firm. We help companies launch and develop new products and business models uniquely enabled by advanced manufacturing. Companies who want to go embrace a new innovative product, be it a consumer device or a medical device or an aerospace or industrial device, and they want a partner to go figure out the best way to design and manufacture that product, that's where Fast Radius comes in. And then we actually produce products at our factory here in Chicago and in Louisville. We have a a software platform that we built from the ground up that helps customers through this entire journey from the design stage all the way through to production. The Fast Radius Chicago plant was named one of the nine best factories in the world by the World Economic Forum in 2018 because of its use of new manufacturing technologies specifically what's called additive manufacturing, although you may know it by a different name. 3D printing and additive manufacturing are kind of synonymous terms, and 3D printing has has been around for 30, 40 years now. You know, you have MakerBot and the kind of consumer thing that kids have at their school or you may have as a hobbyist, and so we typically refer to that as 3D printing. Additive manufacturing, while conceptually the same thing, kind of connotes more industrial grade. So you're really making real end-use parts. This is parts that are going onto the engine of an airplane or a car. So there's subtractive manufacturing, which is a traditional, you know, start with a block of steel and, and carve something out of that block of steel to create the shape and geometry you're trying to produce. Additive is adding layers of material one at a time to sort of build up additively the product that you're making. These new advanced manufacturing techniques like additive, they're really hard. It's not like your 2D printer where you just plug it in and hit a button and press print and out comes a beautiful part. It's actually a really difficult process. You have to control all kinds of variables from the humidity in the room to the vibration to the temperature of the resin, etc. To be honest, I didn't know that 3D printing had been around for decades or how transformative additive manufacturing could be in industrial contexts. But it turns out the supply chains of the future could be entirely digital. Today, if you want to have a set of spare parts for your product, you make, you know, 100,000 of them, a million of them, whatever you think you need, and you store those in a warehouse for years, in some cases decades. 
Now what you can do is move those parts into a digital warehouse that's managed by Fast Radius, and we produce the parts on demand when you need them, no more, no less than you need. We like to say we're creating the world's biggest warehouse, a billion square feet, but it's all digital, right? There's no physical warehouse. Pat paints a picture of an entirely different design process. Today, the normal process is to design a product and then put in a giant order for parts. Tomorrow, more and more businesses will be able to develop products in real time and manufacture the necessary parts as the product evolves. So what makes all of this possible? We're gathering all this data, which allows us to build what many would consider a quote-unquote smart factory. We use a term called the digital thread. So having that data all the way from the materials formulation to the production and every piece of data, right? The temperature in the room, the vibration, who was the technician who worked on it? What is the diversion of the design? What is the machine number that was run on? What time? How long did it take? What are the data points that you need to collect in, in order to drive real value in a factory environment? Just as Irene outlined, the flexible manufacturing of the future will be underpinned by best-in-class data gathering and processing. Today, Wi-Fi and hardwired networks play a big role in factories, but future 5G networks promise to be faster and more reliable and support more connected devices. Right now, we're using just traditional Wi-Fi, but we could absolutely envision an environment where we would have a 5G network that would allow us to gather even more data more quickly, more efficiently. And so we're keeping an eye on that and, and exploring, you know, what are the limits of Wi-Fi and how do we think about maybe transitioning to 5G? So not going to happen tomorrow, but we're excited about just this greater bandwidth and what we may be able to do with regard to gathering even more data-intensive points of capture that would allow us to drive even richer insight. The future with 5G is coming. Today, T-Mobile is leading the 5G charge with $30 billion invested in their network to deliver new capabilities. Improved connectivity and true mobility provided by an advanced network from T-Mobile for Business could change the way we all live and work. The 5G era will take the best technologies available today in the wireless space so that you can offer new capabilities to your business customers. T-Mobile for Business knows that the future of business will be powered by advancements in wireless networks, with these new technologies opening the doors for better ways to get the job done. Business is changing. Learn more at tmobileforbusiness.com. So, Kara, this idea of the digital warehouse is interesting. If more companies move to that model, we might be able to replace a lot of these traditional warehouses that store products with trees and forests, or at the very least, to reduce the environmental cost of shipping parts around the world. I actually think that the definition of factory might change in the near future. For sure. Especially when so much is stored in the cloud. We'll see 3D printing on an industrial scale. And I had no idea that 3D printing technology had been around for so long or what it could even enable. I actually learned that some of the new breed of antennas that will underpin future 5G are actually being 3D printed. So we sort of see the wheel coming full circle. Of course, all of this talk of 3D printing and automated manufacturing does raise questions about what happens to factory workers who are being displaced. Irene talked about developing new skills, but that might not be available to everyone. 
That's true, and it's part of a bigger conversation about what happens to labor in an age of automation. But in the meantime, there are some bright spots for the workers of today when it comes to technological innovation. I spoke with Sean Peterson, who is using technology, but his goal is to improve worker safety for what he calls industrial athletes. An industrial athlete is essentially what we like to call a manual labor. The way that we look at blue-collar work is the same that we look at professional athletes. You go out, you put your body on the line to put bread on the table. Professional athletes do that for a few hours a day with the best equipment in the world. But there's guys that go out and do it for eight hours a day, and they do it for the course of 40 years, six days a week. So putting your body on that level of rigor just to provide for the family, for your own life, uh, for us, earns the moniker of industrial athlete. We're an industrial safety science company, and we drive the world's leading risk metrics for these industrial athletes to help reduce injuries on average of 35% year over year. That's Sean Peterson. He didn't always think he would become a tech entrepreneur. Originally, he thought he would join the family construction business. I grew up thinking I was going to run or participate in the family construction company, and my father passed away on the job. So I went off and I became an entrepreneur. And along that entrepreneurial journey, fell in love with this problem. That are these injuries, that are these, these opportunities to provide a level of design intent to make a better life for these people. Not only are manufacturing and warehouse workers exposed to potential injury, the physical nature of their job exposes them to long-term bodily risk. Just think about lifting a box over your head 30 or 40 times how many opportunities there are for something to go wrong. That's where Strongarm comes into play. We created a wearable sensor that measures all the risk that an industrial athlete goes through throughout his day. It's a small sensor. It's like twice the size of a Tic Tac box. And you wear it on your chest or you wear it in a shirt pocket or you clip it onto your fall safety harness. And we provide alerts to help avoid those injuries to that individual real time. And then we drive metrics back to management to help them make better decisions on how to invest in further infrastructure and training and equipment to help eliminate those injuries in the future. And the platform we have is called the Fuse platform. The Fuse platform can do things like tell you that you're twisting in a way that is unhealthy for your back or that you're approaching an area that is especially risky. We're looking at all of the motions that he's going through that they're risky and how they relate to the degradation of his lumbar spinae or his lower back or just his chance of getting a musculoskeletal injury. And we provide an alert before he does something risky. We then drive further insight through other types of environmental awareness. So we collect heat information, humidity, air quality, as well as looking out for odorless gases, things that people would be worried about. And we provide an early alert around those exposures. That alert would either say, hey, you should change whatever respirator you're wearing because we've noticed you're going through higher levels of exposure than you previously thought you would. Is there an area where you should be wearing a hard hat? Is there an area where you need a certain amount of training on? Of course, today there are ways to communicate this type of information. Think about all of those hard hat signs you see on construction sites. But in the future, it may be possible to serve this information in real time with contextual relevance. You're working in a really hot environment. So we're going to measure that heat. And once you hit over that exposure rate, we're going to give you haptic feedback to say, get out of the truck for 15 minutes and go have some water. It's just like someone tapping you on the shoulder to say, hey, watch out for this. We provide all of that information, that insight directly to the individual. And then at the end of the day, all that information is shot up to the cloud where managers and the greater ecosystem and the value chain can now 
get insight into that risk. And all of that data can then be used to make bigger decisions about future optimizations, addressing problems before they arise. A quick scan of our data showed us that on this conveyor line, essentially, that people were twisting so fast that that's why they were getting hurt. It was a sagittal twisting velocity, which is one of the factors of our algorithm that we collect. We said they're twisting so fast, there's no training, there's no exoskeleton, there's no way that we can change this. We're going to have to go for an infrastructural change. So we recommended a conveyor belt that had a 45 degree bend in it to just eliminate that twisting. What we saw was not only a complete elimination of that injury entirely, but the uptime in the factory was such that we're able to now afford such a greater ROI that we equipped the rest of the warehouse with safer equipment. So we're just helping them get better at getting the people who are in the door that are doing this job, which by injury rate is the riskiest job in the world. And now we're just using technology to help them retain those individuals and then help those people be safer so there are less problems going forward and less turnover rate. The Fuse platform collects data that can help drive decision-making. But this carries with it obvious privacy concerns. So Sean says that StrongArm is thoughtful about the kind of data they collect. Our devices are built with that industrial athlete in mind, all the way down to the way the information is not only delivered, but what's also collected. We don't touch anything over HIPAA. We're not driving any biometrics individually on this person. It's all externally monitorable information. And the information is built on a compliant database that can allow us to anonymize that individual's risk profile at the drop of a hat. Sean believes that that risk profile can help keep workers safe, ultimately creating more efficiency and productivity. In the same way that the industry of the future may allow us to create individualized products, it could also allow manufacturers to tailor work to individual workers. What we're really trying to get clients to understand is that you can't just drive people through a throughput metric. You have to focus on the capabilities of that individual and what is safe for them. Otherwise, it's like filling a bucket with a hole in the bottom. You can't just work these people to the bone. You need to be incredibly sensitive to what the individual capabilities are and hire additionally or train additionally in and around that. The greater good here is just we want to continuously monitor workforce in, in order to create a better network of innovation inside of a safety angle. And that's what we're driving for. So if anyone hates it, it's never going to work. And that's the truth of it. Many of the initiatives Sean describes are already possible today. So I was curious, what might be possible when future 5G networks have been fully deployed? In the future, we are really excited about the potential for things like 5G to enable us to deliver that insight in real time to that athlete and also go back up to management. So if that person's a remote worker and they're down, we can now send someone to where they are to help assist or see what the problem is. As well as allowing for real-time response, 5G that is widely used could allow companies like StrongArm to partner with new industries in areas where connectivity is challenging. Better networks enable us to reach further outside of industries, both in higher risk and more constrained areas. So we primarily operate in 3PL logistics and light manufacturing. But I started this company because of my you know, personal connection to construction. So our next vertical is construction, then remote work, then oil and gas, um, and then heavy manufacturing. Available now from iHeart, a new series presented by T-Mobile for Business, The Restless Ones. Join host Jonathan Strickland as he explores the upcoming 5G revolution and the business leaders who stand right on the cutting edge. There are certain decision makers who are restless. 
They know there is a better way to get things done, and they're ready, curious, and excited for the next technological innovation to unlock their vision of the future. These restless ones are in pursuit of bigger, better, smarter, stronger. They seek new partners, new strategies, new processes. They pursue innovative platforms and solutions to propel their teams, businesses, and industries forward. In each episode, we'll learn more from the restless ones themselves and dive deep into how they think the 5G revolution could propel their business forward. The Restless Ones is now available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. So Kara, from knowing beforehand that a machine needs to be repaired to on-demand product printing and analyzing data to drive worker safety, there seems to be a surprising amount to get excited about in the future of manufacturing. I didn't even know I could get excited about the future of manufacturing. No, but it's for, it is really cool. And so much of what we talked about comes down to data and making better decisions in real time. It reminds me of one of the early episodes of This Time Tomorrow when we talked to the Menlo Park fire chief. He explained that the lower latency and higher bandwidth promised by future 5G networks could enable him to keep track of his firefighters as they entered burning buildings. And that idea of monitoring and optimization is exactly what Sean was talking about. Personalization is such a key theme of the new economy. And the personalization of products is something everyone can understand fairly easily. But I love what Sean was talking about in terms of personalizing worker responsibilities in a factory. To make this vision real, though, factories and businesses will have to adapt to become more agile, in Irene's words. Well, how will I get customized socks otherwise? (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the biggest takeaways that I learned while researching this episode is that while we don't know exactly how things will change— that there are too many technical and cultural drivers converging for manufacturing to kind of stay as it is today. Yeah, and whether it's the expansion of the Internet of Things or robotics or 3D printing, industry is becoming more digital. And the new infrastructure of future 5G networks could be the platform that digital future is built upon. On the next episode of This Time Tomorrow, we'll look at how technology is changing one of the world's oldest businesses, agriculture. From robots to aerial imaging, we'll explore how technology is changing the way we farm and the role that 5G could play. I'm Oz Veloshin. See you next time. No matter what you're after, T-Mobile for Business is here with a network born mobile and built from the ground up for the next wave of innovation. From mobile broadband to IoT to workforce mobility and everything in between, T-Mobile for Business is committed to helping you move your business forward with the products and services you need, as well as the dedicated, award-winning customer service you'd expect from America's most loved wireless company. Business is changing. Learn more at T-Mobile for Business.com.